In the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. I'd like to welcome you all to our Perseverance Family Conversation, and as always, it's great to be with all of you. As we draw closer and closer to the feast day of our Lord's birthday in the stable of Bethlehem. So great to be with all of you, and as always, I'd like to start off our conversation by inviting Mary to be with us. Mary is the mother of God. Mary is the mother of the church. Mary is the mother of each and every one of us. When we pray the Hail Holy Queen, we invoke Mary as our life, our sweetness, and our hope. Mary is our life, our sweetness, and our hope. So let's uh, pray the prayer that Mary loves most. That prayer that Mary loves most is the angelic salutation. We call it the Hail Mary. Together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Now we'd like to invite to be with us our spiritual director. What a great privilege it is to have as our spiritual director the Holy Spirit. Our perseverance family consists in God himself, Mary, the angels and the saints. How privileged we are to be in such wonderful company. So let's uh, let's uh, ask our spiritual guide, the Holy Spirit, whose name is the title is he's the paraclete. He's also known as the gift of gifts. Holy Spirit is also known as our consoler. He's also known as our counselor. The Holy Spirit is also known as the sanctifier, he who makes us holy. If that were not enough, the Holy Spirit is also our interior master. St. Paul in his letter to the Romans reminds us using these words. We don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Holy Spirit intercedes with ineffable groans so that we can say, Abba. Abba, which means daddy or father. Which means daddy or father. So let's uh, invite the Holy Spirit to be with us, to give us a lot of peace, a lot of joy, a lot of light in our intellect. And the fire of God's love to burn within our hearts as we pray. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created 
And thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us that by the same Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Well, Lady Guadalupe, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Michael the Archangel, pray for us. St. Gabriel, pray for us. Saint Raphael, pray for us. Saint Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us. Saint Maria Faustina Kowalska, pray for us. St. John the Baptist, pray for us. All God's angels and saints, pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So my friends, the family that prays together stays together. I really like to start off the day by praying with all of you. We're Big perseverance family praying from all over the all over the place and we're praying together as a family and we start up by praying to Mary, we pray to the Holy Spirit, we also pray uh, to the angels, we pray to the saints, we are definitely in good company. Definitely good company. So, uh, I also promise to pray for all of you in my Masses. We will have a concelebrated Mass with a community of 12. So, I'll place all of you on the altar in this concelebrated Mass. I'd like to pray for these specific intentions. First, I'd like to pray for our sanctification and that we would be open to the we'd be open to the inspirations of the Holy Spirit. That's right, that we would be open to the inspirations of the Holy Spirit. We might even say this prayer Come Holy Spirit, come Come, Holy Spirit, come through the heart of Mary. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come through the heart of Mary. Beautiful prayer. My second uh, intention would be that all of us would take seriously our ongoing formation. 
One of the purposes of our Perseverance Family Conversation also is uh, that we get to know our faith better. In our conversation, I'll take the Word of God, the saint of the day, and maybe some doctrinal or catechetical issue. Some doctrinal or catechetical issue. And I'll explain that. So that all of us will be able to share our faith with others. I'd like to also invite all of you to um, to share this conversation with your friends. Let's try to try to share what we learn with others and this this uh, presentation of course is on Facebook and then it's placed later on in my YouTube channel. I just got statistics from YouTube. Last year I had two million and a half minutes of those following me just on YouTube. That's not to mention Facebook. So we're we're evangelizing. But I invite you also to be my ambassadors to promote our our works. Promote our works. So we'll be able to, as Jesus said, go out to the whole world. So this is a a great way in which we can be promoting the Word of God to many people. I've yet gotten uh, letters from Australia and and you've got uh, the Bahama Islands, and it's it's just great to be able. As a result of the pandemic, God allowed us to start this uh, this program the past three years. But we want to keep going further, not to be complacent, staying where we are, but be be zealous to bring the Word of God to the four corners of the earth. So I invite all of you to be. In a certain sense, my hands, my feet. You, you are, Father Rome's ambassadors. You're my ambassadors. In Spanish, embajadores, ambassadors. And uh, last but not least, last but not least, I pray every day with you for the. For, for the conversion of sinners. For the conversion of sinners, that's right. Especially like to pray for the conversion of deathbed sinners. Deathbed sinners because there will be people dying today. Perhaps some of them are not well disposed. Let's pray that through our prayers that these people would open up their hearts to the love of God and be saved. Who knows, my friends, maybe through your prayers, someone who's dying, who's been rejecting God for many years, would open up his heart, beg for mercy, and be saved for all eternity because of your prayers. Because of your prayers and because of my prayers. So, today we have the prophet Isaiah, 
who presents to us, like a forsaken wife, the Lord has called you back. The response of your psalm is, I will praise you, Lord, if you have rescued me. In the Gospel, once again, we encounter John the Baptist. He is the messenger who prepares the way for the Lord. I'd like to start off with a... Um, with a catechetical moment for all of you. Over the past week I've been on radio and TV uh, in Spanish for El Sembrador. Yesterday was on the, the TV program Mujeres de Encuentro. And then the day before I was in Tardis de Fe. So I'm going on and off of the radio with, with quite a bit of frequency, thanks be to God. The Sembrador, the sower, has asked me to do a series of talks on the exercises. Today I'll be on at 4 o'clock in Spanish. A talk with Andres Gonzalez on my new book, Soa. I'm... I'm not simply on Facebook, but I'm on the radio and TV, and it's such a great way to preach the Word of God, utilizing modern technology to to preach the Word of God. Recently, I'm getting on, I'm getting also on TikTok, making these short, thirty seconds to a minute talks, so I'd be able to get onto TikTok, and that's where a lot of young people are. So let's. <laughs> Try to try to roll with the punches and meet the people where they're at. So the cat the catechetical explanation I'll live like to give to you today is the following. Some people are confused on what what are the basic conditions to be prepared to receive the Eucharist. So I'd like to just go through that in a minute or two. What are the what are the basic conditions to be able to receive Holy Communion? First of all, never forgetting uh, what Holy Holy Communion is is truly the body blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, what I'd like to do, I'd like to go through the conditions. And uh, I would say when you're talking with your friends, maybe tell them about this because there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, confusion. Uh, so the first is belief in the real presence. Belief in the real presence. We have to we have to believe that Holy Communion is truly and substantially the body, the blood, the soul, the divinity of Christ. It's not a mere symbol. 
the theologians, the theologians call this word transubstantiation. So, Protestant cannot become a Catholic if he doesn't believe in this basic truth. Belief in the real presence. For that reason, we've got two years of catechetical formation for the little children. So then those two years, they, with the help of their parents, with the help of their parents, are able to understand what the Eucharist is. I'd like to also thank uh, Bev Flores for placing my website there in which you can find my podcasts, blog articles, as well as my other activities. You'll have that in Spanish and English. So you can go and check out my my articles. Just lately, it's going viral, the talk I gave about three to four years ago on general confession, in which the, I've got 200,000 uh, people that are following and almost every day have t- another 10,000 people that are are viewing my talk on the general confession, which I gave. I've been giving this talk over the years, but this one I gave about three and a half years ago in St. Peter Chanel with his spiritual exercises. So you can even delve into that and share that with people. Yes, I'm changing themes now. I'm talking about the Eucharist and I'm talking about confession, but they're both related. They're both related. So, I'm going through the basic conditions to receive uh, the Eucharist. The first is belief in the real presence. And the next would be, uh, it's called being in the state of grace. State of grace. What does that mean? If you're aware, if you're aware of having committed a a mortal sin, you're aware of committing a mortal sin, which would be you doing something very serious, full knowledge, full consent of the will. Then you'd have to go to confession before. And often I hear people say, well, I'll just tell God I'm sorry within the Mass and then I'll go to confession maybe next week. That's uh, that's not uh, that's not right. Of course, you commit a mortal sin. You should try immediately to make a perfect act of contrition. Yes. Make a perfect act of contrition. But then you have to have recourse to the sacrament of confession. The sacrament of confession. Then, the third condition would be what is called, it's called the Eucharistic fast. The Eucharistic fast is really not that much. 
The Eucharistic fast consists in fasting an hour one hour before receiving Holy Communion. One hour. Now, you who are my age or, or older, many, many years ago, before Vatican II, the Eucharistic fast was from midnight on you could not have anything. That was pretty rigorous. So if a priest was saying Mass at 12 noon, he'd, he'd have to be fasting the whole time up until 12 noon. Then the church changed and lowered it to three hours. And then from three hours, from three hours it was moved down to, to one hour. So the one hour fast is is the Eucharistic fasting requirement right now. So say for example you're going to Mass on Sunday at uh, 10 o'clock. If you finish eating by 9.20 you're still okay because the priest is not going to be giving out communion until 10.30. So the Eucharistic fast is... Uh, is really not very demanding at all. It's really not demanding at all. So, the Eucharistic fast. So just to go through these three conditions again, and I'd like you to maybe tell someone about this today, share, share our uh, perseverance, talk with someone, because many, many people don't know this. That's right, they don't know this. So the conditions would be, you have to believe in the real presence. We call that transubstantiation. Second, you have to be in the state of grace to receive the Eucharist. And third, the our Eucharistic fast. Now you can drink water and you tank you can take medicine. And sick people are dispensed of this as well as those who look over the sick people. So my friends that that would be our catechetical moment. Okay, I'd like to jump now To the Word of God. And just the basic theme of Isaiah is that like a forsaken wife, the Lord has called you back. The essence of Isaiah is, is this. That Israel wandered from God many times. Israel, the, the chosen people, they wandered from God many times. Often following false gods. But God is always pursuing these people. He's pursuing these people, beckoning them to come back. Especially God is doing this through the words and preachings and teachings, the words, the preachings and the teachings of 
the prophets. The prophet Ezekiel, the prophet Jeremiah, the prophet Isaiah. The prophet Elijah beckoning them to come back to Yahweh, to God. In other words, God always has his arms open. But sad to say, we, we wander away from God like the prodigal son. So in a, in a nutshell, that's, the, that's kind of a summary of Isaiah chapter 54, 1 to 10. I've given you an, just a summary of it. Now the response or real psalm is taken from Psalm 30. And the antiphon is, I will praise you, Lord, for you have rescued me. I will praise you, Lord, for you have rescued me. Once once again, we go back, once again, we go back to Princeton Foundation. The Princeton Foundation, St. Ignatius states that we are created, my friends, we are created, my friends, to praise God. To praise God. In heaven, once we get to heaven, my friends, we're going to be in contact with the highest choirs of angels. They are the the cherubim and the seraphim, the highest choir choirs of angels. What are they doing? They're praising God for all eternity. They're praising God for all eternity. That's right. Now here on earth, here on earth, as we're wayfarers, we're pilgrims heading toward the eternal city, which we call heaven, the highest form of praise that we can give to God is the holy sacrifice of the Mass. That's right. The highest form of praise that we can offer to God is the holy, the holy sacrifice of the Mass. By far. By far there's no greater there's no greater means by which we can praise and worship and glorify God in this life than participating fully, actively and consciously in the holy sacrifice of the Mass. Then the response of those psalms is, I praise you, Lord, for you have rescued me. Think about this. How many times has God rescued us from from very serious problem and something less serious? I'll give you an example. Yesterday, I had to go to the dentist. When I came back, I was uh, kind of in a state of confusion because there's a lot of things that are going through my mind. And I, I lost my cell phone. And I looked for it 
four different times retracing my steps. Then I went to the church to hear some confessions and say Mass. And I asked people to pray for me. And then during the Mass, it's like I heard a, heard a gentle voice saying, Don't worry, when you go back you'll find it. And I heard that reassuring voice even during the Mass because I was worried about that. So I went back and I prayed. And what happened was, this is embarrassing. I, I I threw a few things in the the garbage can, and he actually threw my phone in the garbage can. And I had inspiration. Look in the garbage can. It's like the Holy Spirit said to me, "Look, look, you dummy, because that's pretty dumb. Check out the garbage can, and the, you'll find your cell phone there." And there it was. Nestled in between the garbage that I threw in the garbage can. So, even in that way, I will praise you, Lord, for you have rescued me because I, I lose my phone, like most of you, with the apps and the information. Having to get a new one, canceling accounts, what a headache. I'm thankful that uh, God rescued me from having thrown my cell phone into the garbage can then end up in the big garbage can then end up in the dump so God rescues us from the mouth of the lions but also God rescues us from even smaller problems that we get ourselves into so I will praise the Lord for he has, he has rescued us so let's uh, let's turn now from Isaiah, the Responsorial Psalm. Let's go to the Gospel for today. Today we have the Gospel of St. Luke. So once again, we're going to be focusing upon Christ and his relationship to John the Baptist. The Gospel says, when the messengers of John the Baptist had left, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. About John. So we have John the Baptist. He's a key figure. And John the Baptist was also instrumental in in preparing the some of the apostles preparing them to encounter Christ so preparation let's talk a little bit about preparation being prepared being prepared there's a book that came out a few years ago by uh, Dom Chotard, and the name of the book is The Soul. The name of the book is The Soul of the Apost- Apostolate. The 
by Dom Show Card. Yes, it's called the Soul of Soul of the Apostle by Dom Chotard, a French author. And um, I'll just give you a summary of it. He says we're we we are all called we're all called on the mission of the apostolate. We're all called to spread the word of God. But Dom Chotard points out that we have to be prepared. Because if we're not prepared and we go out by preach or teach or catechize, we have a shabby, incomplete formation, he goes on to say that we could end up by doing much more damage than good. Therefore, we come together, my friends, to learn our faith together. Learn our faith so that we can share our faith with others. For example, I gave you that brief catechesis on the conditions to receive the Eucharist. Belief, state of grace, Eucharistic fast. That short catechesis that I gave to you says a lot. And most people don't know that. Most people don't know that. Building upon the soul of the apostolate and John the Baptist in his preparation and preparing others. I like to quote uh, Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. He says, the dynamic of our spiritual life, the dynamic of our spiritual life should be first come then go. First come and then go. First come to Christ. Then go out to the whole world. First come then go. You can't give what you don't have. And I've said this once, I'll say it again, that... uh, Charity begins at home that we should try as best we can to work at the formation of our family members by word and also by example. By word and by example. So John the Baptist spent a long time in the desert preparing himself St. Paul went out to the desert of Arabia for years preparing himself. Then even our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ spent 30 years in his private life before he went out to preach the word of God publicly. Then after he's baptized, he goes into the desert 40 days and 40 nights where he encounters the devil. So, like John the Baptist, let us learn the importance of preparing ourselves. Then Jesus goes on to basically compliment John the Baptist. 
highlighting the the virtues of this man who is basically his cousin. Mary goes to visit St. Elizabeth who has St. John the Baptist within her womb and Mary Mary greets St. Elizabeth. And then John the Baptist within her womb leaps for joy. And Elizabeth says, Blessed are you among women and bless the fruit of your womb. Who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? At the sound of your greeting, the baby leapt from in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed that the word of God would be accomplished in her. Then Mary says, breaks out to praise God, saying, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, because he's looked upon the lowliness of his handmaid. Henceforth all generations will call me blessed, for the Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He scattered the proud and conceived their heart. He's lifted up their whole, lifted up the lowly. He's looked upon Israel his servant. And Abraham, as he promised to our forefathers before us. So what I've done, I've just quoted for you the what's called the Magnificat of Mary. So John the Baptist, we meet in the Gospel today, is a key figure in preparing us for the birthday of Christ. He's preparing the way. What it pointed out right now is that John the Baptist was sanctified in the womb of his mother by the words of Mary and by the silent presence of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. By the words of Mary and by the silent presence of Christ within the womb of Mary. It's a very powerful pro-life image. So let's um, let's listen to what our Lord says about John the Baptist. He says, What did you go out to the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind. See a reed swayed by the wind. What our Lord was saying in that in the reed swayed by the wind is is that's a type of person that's the type of person that follows his feelings, his emotions, his sentiments more than the truth. Also, is the type of person that's often a people pleaser more than a God pleaser. There are a lot of them out there. Sad to say, how often, how often, my friends, will we act by what people will think about us? rather than what God thinks about us. John the Baptist could, could care less about public opinion. He was focused upon preparing the way for Christ and pleasing God in all things. So we should pray that we be firmly rooted in Christ and not be influenced so much about what they're going to say about peer pressure, and about being a people pleaser. You know, either we try to please God or we try to please other people. We try to please other people 
probably half of them will like us, the other half will not like us. I'd like to tell you a story about people pleasers. Maybe you've heard this story. It's a good one. It's a story about a man and his son. And they have a a beast of burden, a donkey. And they're traveling they're traveling from one town to the next. And when they travel through one town, the people in the town say, "How they're, they're pretty dumb. The man and his son have a donkey. Why don't they get on the donkey and ride? So, as they're going through the next town, the father puts his son on the donkey. And the next town they're saying, look at that kid. He doesn't have respect for his father. His father's huffing and puffing, and that boy, he's strong, young and strong. He should get off the donkey. So, the next town, the father gets on the donkey. And the people looking at them say, look at that Look at that man and his little boy with the short legs. Why doesn't the father let the son to get on the donkey? So, what happens is the next time, both the father and the son, they mount the donkey. And they go into another town. The following town, there's an animals, animals' rights society. And the people start to criticize the man and the son. They say, look at that man, look at that boy. They're mounted on that poor donkey. That donkey's going to have a heart attack because he's carrying too much. So they both get off the donkey, and the next time they place the donkey on their shoulders, and they're crossing over a bridge, and they slip and they fall off the bridge into the water. And the boy drowns. The father drowns. And the donkey drowns. And they're all drowned. They've all drowned in the water beneath the bridge. Now, some of you are probably laughing at that story because it is somewhat comical. It is. It is somewhat comical. However, there is a real message behind that related to what our Lord is saying. Is that either we become God-pleasers or we become people-pleasers. For that reason, Jesus says that John the Baptist was not a reed being swayed by the wind. But the John the Baptist was firmly rooted in Christ. John the Baptist did not have an identity crisis. John the Baptist did not wake up in the morning and say, Who am I today? And what so many people today have an identity crisis. Largely because of this whole transgender baloney. People have a real identity crisis We should know where we come from, who we are, where we're heading, and how to get there. That's called principle and foundation. 
That's called principle and foundation. So Jesus continues. He said, then, what did you go out to see? Someone dressed in fine garments? Those who dress luxuriously and live sumptuously are found in royal palaces. Okay, there's another, another point, another idea I like, I like to expound upon. Clothes, things, possessions, buying, hoarding. There is a real danger, my friends. And the real danger is, I'm going to type it out for you. The real danger as we get close to Christmas is that of materialism. Materialism. John the Baptist is talking about the uh, the wardrobe or the way that John the Baptist would dress. He was not dressed. He was not dressed in fine garments. So we might even look we might even look into our our homes, our rooms, our closets, our garages, and ask ourselves, do we have too much? Do we have too much? Are we are we absorbed so much in materialism that we're focusing more and more on having than being? John Paul II says it's much more important being being than having. And as the saying goes, we can actually be possessed by our own possessions. I like the one-liner of Eric Fromm, a modern psychologist. He says, if you are what you have and you lose what you have, then who are you? That's a good one. I'll repeat that. If you are what you have and you lose what you have who are you there's a lot of lot of one liners worthy of memorizing the more you have the more you want and the less satisfied you are so he's examined saint john the baptist we're examining our own personal life and the danger of materialism and one of the best best ways to understand materialism is the whole idea of what happens on black what happens on black friday people had they peeped just a couple of weeks ago right 
You shop until you drop. People lining up hours before the doors will be opened in these these malls, spending hours. I've told the priest, wouldn't it be a good idea if we went down there with our stole and we could try to confess these people who are waiting on the, the mall lines to shop until they drop. People actually become they bec- they become compulsive compulsive buyers. We have to be careful about that. That's what John the Baptist is teaching us. That in Luke chapter sixteen, Luke chapter sixteen, we have the parable of the rich man. And Lazarus outside the gate. Now the rich man, the rich man doesn't seem to be a, a really bad person. He doesn't seem to be killing people or robbing or cheating on his wife. We don't have any of that. However, what we do have is this man is the exact opposite of John the Baptist because he did dress in luxurious vestments and he ate luxuriously. And because of that, because of his attachment to basically to comfort The poor man Lazarus outside his gate who longed to eat the crumbs that fell from the table. He longed to eat the crumbs that fell from the table. But the rich man did not lift a hand to help out Lazarus even in the even in the most minimal fashion. So the rich man dies and finds himself cast into the fiery pit. Why was the rich man lost? Not so much for what the rich man did, but for what the rich man failed to do. No, my friends, when we start off the holy sacrifice of the Mass, when we start off the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, then the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, then we enter into it with the examination of conscience and then we say the confidior or the penitential rite. We say I've sinned in my thought, word and what I failed to do. Those are called those are called the sins of omission. So we see this rich man failing, losing his soul not so much for what he did do, 
but for what he failed to do. Not so much for what he did do, but for what he failed to do. That's called a sin of omission. Sin of omission. So Jesus goes on to say that who did he go to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell more than a prophet. And then Jesus refers to the prophet Isaiah. He is the one that scripture refers to. Behold, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you. He'll prepare your way before you. Now, my friends, John the Baptist was a voice crying in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight your paths. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight your paths. I think all of us, my friends, we should pray to John the Baptist. We should meditate upon the person of John the Baptist. We should talk to John the Baptist. We should admire John the Baptist. But also we should try to imitate John the Baptist. Imitate John the Baptist in this sense. And I'd like to suggest that all of you do this within these next few days as we start our novena. Be starting in a short time our novena in preparation for Christmas. As you all know, and I keep reminding you of this basic theological reality, as you all know, the biggest group, the biggest, the biggest group, religious group, The biggest religious group in the country are Catholics. But they are non-practicing Catholics. I repeat, they are Catholics, but they're non-practicing Catholics. So this is going to be a challenge for all of us right now. Christmas and the Christmas season, true, it's a time in which people are buying and selling. But it's a time in which people do come to church at least on Christmas Eve or on Christmas Day. You probably all know some relative or friend that is no longer practicing his or her faith. You have someone in mind right now. Why not invite this person to go to the Christmas Mass, but you might even say, hey, you know, 
There in St. Peter's Chanel, you have priests hearing confessions on a daily basis. Why don't you go there and make your confession? Wouldn't that be a great way to celebrate Christmas, to make a good sacramental confession and a good communion? And maybe you might even tell them the meaning of the word, the meaning of the word Christmas. See what it posted for you. Christmas, Christ Mass. So for Christmas, we want to go to Mass, well disposed, our souls cleansed, so that we can receive our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the Bethlehem of our hearts. So my friends, we've had a very good conversation today and I invite all of you to, why not share this with others? Share the message with others that they will encounter in the very depths of their souls our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.